0: Welcome back to Pop Culture Pelican.
1: It has been a really long time. Correct. I think the last time we recorded was probably like in April.
0: For a second I thought you like, said so the last time we recorded, like the last time someone like cost us like, make a podcast. The last or, like, time offered what? offered us flowers to make a podcast. I thought I, like we were courted. Courted, like, ah. like someone was like, I'll offer you these flowers if you'll make another episode.
1: <laughs> I had a suitor the other day.
0: Yeah. No, um. It might have actually been based on the, the time that it's been since I had access to Patrick's Wi Fi, it's very possible that um that we have not recorded since before the Community Liberation Northwest Family Vacation, twenty eighteen.
1: Well yeah, I mean it was it was uh, the one we did on a quiet place, which was I'm pretty sure during the school year. Oh, last school year. Goodness,
0: that is forever.
1: Right? I think.
0: So in sum, we're bad at this.
1: Yeah. Pretty bad, I'd um. say. And <laughs> Once in a blue moon, we put out a terrible podcast, and then we go away for a long time.
0: Out of shame. Maybe
1: it's, yeah, maybe and, it's penance.
0: And then the people who surprisingly enjoyed our podcast, like, all come out of the woodwork to, to request a new one.
1: Right, right. The only reason I know that anyone has ever listened to this podcast is that occasionally people go, I haven't seen a podcast in a long time.
0: And we're like, we didn't know that you were, we didn't know we said anything worth listening to. I didn't know
1: you existed. I yeah, had so- a family Christmas uh, get-together oh, yeah. the other day. One of my cousins who who lives in California, was there and he mentioned that he had gotten a six pack of Fresh Squeeze IPA for his wife because of hearing about it on the podcast. And I was you know, I don't don't remember when I talked about Fresh Squeeze IPA. Apparently it was on the Quiet Place podcast.
0: Yeah, that was with our friends Gary and Kathleen. Shout yeah. out to Gary and Kathleen <laughs> and to Patrick's cousin Chris. Yeah. Shout out to all the people.
1: Yeah, unfortunately today it is still a little too early to actually start drinking beer. But I have a beer that I really want to drink on the podcast soon. So, um so maybe I don't know next time or something.
0: Maybe you could drink it when we record episode 2 about the quiet place in about Wait, four we're going to do a
1: second episode about a quiet place.
0: No, sorry about the good place. <laughs> wow, this is bad. Um, maybe you could drink the beer when we record our second episode about the good place in about forty-five minutes. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll be late enough in the morning for beer at that
1: point. That might late enough in the morning for beer. That is a really sad thing to say. Um, well, if you are like listening and and want to preempt this beer in your ear segment from a future episode, you could go pick up the Migration Brewing. Okay, it's called Mohazic IPA, like mo haze Ick. It's a hazy IPA, and it's really good. It's kind of like a low – well, now I'm doing the – whatever. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but you can probably only get it in Oregon.
0: And then you can hear Patrick describe it the next episode and, and, and consider whether you agree with
1: the description. Right, exactly.
0: Right. exactly. Write us mail at, at com if you agree or disagree with the <laughs> description of the beer, and then he will give in the next episode. <laughs>
1: That email address has gotten so many emails that I'm sure it would be hard to find all of the emails about beer that we've gotten. But that's because there are zero.
0: Yeah, there's not very. It's like blueberry statistics that sends us an email, basically. Yeah, pretty um, much. And then people who want Sound us cloud. to like get involved in their like get podcast followers schemes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're actually drinking um, the market spice tea. It's a black tea from. From Townsend Tea House, we can. Are we
1: gonna, well, we should chink near next to one of the mics. Yeah, I'll we'll do this. Oh, that didn't even show up. Let's try it by yours. Okay.
0: Okay, that was kind of weak. Okay, we can we can fix it in post. Whatever.
1: <laughs> Dan got this tea as a Christmas gift.
0: Yes. Um. So I've been dating patrick's cousin and she gave this to me as a gift (laughs) and i was uh, totally
1: expecting a different lead-in like so i'm dating somebody and she gave me this gift and blah blah blah. and turns out
0: yeah (laughs) turns out
1: turns out dan's dating my cousin
0: yeah we just thought we'd i just put that out there
1: so she also got you uh what's the thing called the tea infuser oh
0: yeah she got me this tea infuser and we'll try to I'll, i'll try to make sure that i i and it's it's like a it's a manatee but they call it the mana tea. Mm, uh huh. Mm-hmm, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we'll, and it, we'll like, put it out on the edge of your glass. Well, we'll yeah. We'll put a picture of the mana tea up on the Facebook page eventually. Yeah. Probably around the same time this episode comes out.
1: Yeah. Which will be like in 2023 or so, probably.
0: Yeah. At this 2023. point, at this rate. Yeah. Actually, I saw this thing on um, Imager with like one of those like image dumps of like people saying witty things. And mm-hmm. one of them was like. having a podcast is the lower back tattoo of this generation. (laughs) And
1: and I was just like and
0: I was like wrong. Having a let's play is the lower back tattoo of this generation.
1: No, that might be having the face tattoo of this generation. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Luke Sager if you're listening. If you have a lower back tattoo, you can hide it and people won't know for the most part.
0: Yeah um that there's another friend of ours that i occasionally do let's plays with and that's the joke
1: yes that's the joke jokes are always the best when you explain them yes um yeah i was gonna i was gonna say a little test if you want to figure out uh since we're doing a podcast on the good place if you want to figure out whether you're in the good place or the bad place and you're not sure is if you're listening to this podcast you're definitely in the bad place
0: this is a weird show that we're talking about. Do we want to start talking about the show or do we have other, other BS we want
1: to, other, other (laughs) banter, other banter. We want to other,
0: other, do we have other breeze shooting we want to (laughs) do?
1: Well, we have, if we were to try to like recap our lives from the last over six months, since the last time we recorded an episode, it would be quite a lot. So that might not be a great idea.
0: I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I got an egg in my hair and just not explain further.
1: Yeah, it's still there. It's been six months. Um, damn, come on.
0: Also, this tea's pretty good. You should it try is. it if you have if you if you're in Portland and you can try the town. It's from Townsend tea. tea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't don't do what I did and accidentally solidify its name as the black market tea because you like got your wires
1: crossed. <laughs> it's market spice black tea. Yes, that's correct. Right. Yeah. So Dan's got some black market tea which i mean in portland what would be black market tea like pot is legal um oh my god okay yesterday my sisters and i were going to trader joe's and we're walking in the door somebody stops us and says hey folks do you want to do you want to help decriminalize mushrooms like she was uh, like collecting signatures on a petition to decriminalize mu- uh, like yeah mushrooms i
0: i have i have two words for you patrick mm-hmm. overton window
1: <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. You should, you should explain. Cause I, I, I understand the idea of the Overton window, but I'm not sure other people do. So it's, it's kind of descriptive.
0: It's not necessarily, pres- it's not necessarily prescriptive, but the idea is that the Overton window is the sort of, um, the sort of acceptable window of debate and ideas. And if you propose something that is further, that, you know, will never get accepted, but it's like further to the extreme that you want to be at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Glenn Beck did a really good example. explaining. Oh, Lord! Your, no, he but he used airport security to explain it. NPR was like reading it like it was a bad description of the Overton window, and I was like, actually, this is a pretty pretty good description because he was talking. I about, was just like, really
1: surprised to hear Glenn Beck and Good in the same sentence.
0: Well, because he he talked about how like a like a long time ago, if you described the airport security measures that we have now, people would be like, "No way, that's not happening." Mm-hmm. But that slowly like became more acceptable. When we, you know, we had an attack on American soil and all of a sudden, like, things that were previously thought unacceptable were acceptable and not only acceptable, people thought they were, like, morally obligatory to do.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, quick life hack. Before ever traveling with a friend that you've never traveled with, just make sure, like, casually bring up, by the way, do you refuse to go through airport scanners? Because twice now with different people, I have found that out at the airport that they don't go through airport scanners. They... Go. They they demand the pat-down instead.
0: Do they do this to make the security people feel awkward, or do they do this as a matter of personal principle?
1: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I can say at least one friend made comments about, like, if I'm going to pay this much for a plane ticket, I might as well get a massage while being patted down, which I felt like was super crossing a line. Like I, I would have felt so uncomfortable as a security person. But anyway, I, it is their right and whatever, but it's also, I think, your right, my right, to know before traveling with someone that they're planning on doing that so that I can not travel with them.
0: <laughs> I'm, I I notice you've very tactfully not told me who this is. and
1: mm-hmm. I'm very good at not saying who or even what gender uh, a person is, uh, when saying something semi-negative about them, because I'm a teacher, and so we do that all the time, where it's like, right. I have a student I have who a student. said such and such, and you can only say, well, it's one of the you know 50 or 100 people I teach, but not their gender or grade or whatever.
0: Uh, I'll bring the overton window thing back later because I think it's I think it's actually kind of an I think this I think this I think the show where we we're going to discuss today did something positive with the overton window.
1: Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. How do we know that you were good? How are we sure? During your time on Earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative (sighs) value, depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Every sandwich you ate, every time you bought a magazine, every single thing you did had an effect that rippled out over time and ultimately created some amount of good or bad. This episode, we're going to talk about the Good Place season one. We're not going to touch season two, and we're not going to get to uh, the finale of season one uh, until the latter half of the episode. Yeah. So if you uh, have not actually watched season all of season one, you know, we'll we we'll kind of warn you.
0: Yeah, we'll try to warn you when we get there. But like, it's not going to be like soup Like, we're probably going to be yeah. probably going to be about ten minutes at least in non spoiler territory. In right.
1: Regard. Right. Well. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's, a, there's some a... spoilers we're just going to go ahead right away and give. But... Yeah,
0: because they happened really early on and everything. And because you can't
1: discuss the characters without them.
0: If you really want to watch the show exactly the way it was meant to be watched, you might not want to finish this episode if you haven't seen the first season, because it's meant it's really best watched in order, Yeah, which is not something you say about a lot of half-hour comedies. Yeah. But it turns out when Mike Schur makes a half-hour comedy about the afterlife, that is the way to watch it.
1: No, what did Mike Schur do before?
0: So Mike Schur's been involved in The Office. If anybody knows the character of Cousin Moe's on The Office, Mike Schur is very... Uh, prominent there. He was a writer. Wait, he is that character? He is. He plays Cousin Moe's. Oh, he um, Dwight's
1: cousin, the farmer. Uh-huh. Seriously? Uh-huh. I did not know that.
0: So he played Cousin Moe's. He also wrote for The Office. He wrote for Parks and Recreation, I believe. And I think he was also involved with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's so, what I heard, yeah. So Mike sure the, the thing you're learning here is that Mike sure's pedigree for half-hour comedies is pretty much undeniable at least as far as comedy like even if you Mm -hmm. don't happen to like all of them like most of them are get pretty decent critical reviews and Mm -hmm. um, have a pretty good following of people who think they're funny which is yeah yeah mainly what we have comedy for yeah Um,
1: (laughs) and and other things like to you know but yes okay
0: yeah there's uh
1: patrick disagreed about whether or not comedy is for being funny (laughs)
0: I mean, that's like the pri- – that's like maybe the pri- – I don't know exactly. I'm not going to try and get all philosophical about the definition of comedy right now. I'm sure somebody, Aristotelian in our right. audience, can, can, tell me, can tell me why my definition is incomplete, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that it is. But the point is that in, a, in this context, if a function of a comedy is to be funny, sure pretty much nails it. And he does the other things that I think a comedy is supposed to do, at least mm-hmm. for the most part. Maybe a little deconstructive, but whatever. Uh, the Good Place, apparently, he said, I want to do a sitcom – about moral philosophy. <laughs> and and they were like, okay.
1: Yeah, it probably like it was like, that's a crazy idea. And then we probably would never let you do that, except that you have kind of a track record for succeeding.
0: It turns out you can discuss these things if you make them into a half-hour comedy.
1: Well, and a piece of that, I think, too, my sister and I were talking about this, and I think we also brought this into the episode on Stranger Things, is that we're kind of... In what appears, I think anyway, to be sort of a golden age of TV with the streaming services, because they're that's getting rid of so much fluff in TV shows like there's so much in older TV shows of like catching you up on what was going on or having sort of a plot that carries through a season that's just really barely there. And it's not really it's like it was like like paying lip service to having a plot instead of really having a plot and um because people tend to binge watch shows uh that are on the streaming services because they're typically released all at once that uh, that allows them to do a lot less uh of the like catching you up and all that junk and make allows the plot to be a lot more important and like a lot more well executed and stuff even even though like the good place is on NBC, so it's not uh, it's not coming out all at once on a streaming service. It's still been I think like backwardsly influenced by that that trend in um, in newer TV. Yeah, and Mike
0: Sure in general has a pretty good job of like his shows. Most of them can be watched out of order, but they all have very strong like through lines. Like the characters' relationships grow and change substantially over right. the course of each series that he's done.
1: Right, right, but like the The overall plot of The Office is not like that crucial, right? Like I no. can I can just watch a random episode from season five. Not till and... like not till
0: like not till like season five onward. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Where like the good place, Maybe. it doesn't make any sense to watch it out of order, or well, at least without like watch it without knowing the characters and, and yeah and how they've changed up to that point. How do we start? Uh,
0: so basically the premise that I give this that I give this show for people is that I give. Th-
1: The premise that I
0: give people for this show is a woman dies, and she goes to heaven, and then she discovers very quickly that there was a mistake, apparently, and she's not actually supposed to be there.
1: But it's like a secular heaven that, as the show gets gets rolling, we start to find out it has a points-based system for determining who belongs there and who doesn't, and only the best of the best of the best get in. Like, every every action has either a positive or negative point value based on its uh, consequences and, uh, like, what how it affected the, like, I don't know, the goodness of the world. So, Eleanor very quickly realizes that she does not belong. Like, everyone else is supposed to be there, but not her
0: and um so then the question becomes what do you do about what do you do with that situation and the first thing she does is she goes to her oh yeah they they tell you in this that um your your sort of like platonic soulmate is a real thing
1: wait are are soulmates a platonic idea i think so oh my gosh i did not know that yeah i always thought it was just some hokey thing people made up in like the 1970s i'm
0: fairly certain it appears in plato but i couldn't tell you don't i couldn't tell you that it takes exactly the same form if i recall correctly it's the idea that you're sort of like one part of a soul and you sort of are wandering around trying to find the the other half um, so
1: you get there for you all, find all the out there mis- are... listening
0: i might not be describing this accurately but you get in the picture anyway hopefully
1: they got my name right but nothing else somebody royally forked up
0: why can't i say fork if you're trying to curse you can't hear
1: that's bullshit so um, we find out we find out there are soulmates, and Eleanor's soulmate is named Chidi Anagonye, and he's a he's a moral philosopher.
0: Yeah, he's a professor of moral philosophy,
1: and and uh, Eleanor is what she describes as an Arizona trash bag. Uh, so they're kind of an odd uh, an odd pair, and she so she immediately basically fesses up and says, I you know I'm not supposed to be here, and sort of ropes Chidi into helping helping her become a good person so that she can stay in the good place. And then we meet the two of the other four main characters, uh, Tahani and Jason. I mean, there's a John Yu. The fir- there we go. The first spoiler. Um, Tahani and John Tahani is a, like a British socialite and John Yu is a silent Taiwanese monk, except that he's actually a drug dealing um oh. extremely stupid DJ from uh, Jackson, Jacksonville, Florida. Is that I right? think so. Yeah. yeah. And then the other two main characters are Michael, the architect of the neighborhood. I think. I think there was an intentional, like, intentional a moment like... where he goes, "I'm Michael, the architect." Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, Michael the Archangel. So oh, that's like definitely that, like a little reference. And Janet, who is the repository of knowledge and the individual capable of making things out of thin air and stuff but we don't actually know what she is like
0: they don't they 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 make they tell you what she's not like ontologically like there's one part where someone says you're the best girl ever and she says i'm not not a girl not a girl and -hmm. then another part where somebody tells her a robot and she says not a robot yeah and that's all she's told you about what she is she's only said this is what i am not Mm -hmm. she's just janet it's a it's a unique (laughs) unique sort of life form apparently
1: that's interesting, and just this is just occurring to me that like there's the whole you know like the idea of like the via negativa or right of like the way of like describing what God isn't, like only being able to describe God in terms of saying what He isn't, which is interesting, but yeah, Janet definitely is not God. No, no, and she's... there is no God as far as we can tell.
0: It's sort of ambiguous what exactly if there's an ultimate reality hiding behind this ultimate reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's almost like it was. Made up mostly as a way to explore moral philosophy,
1: mm-hmm. but but okay, so th- so that's that's one of the fun things is that like there are all these implications. Yeah, we'll get into that later on. I think.
0: But like anybody from any, basically in this in this universe, like it's more it's it's about how good you are. But there's a lot of other happening.
1: So, did you want to start by talking about um, about those the four main human characters?
0: So we have four main human characters. And they each sort of, like, have their own moral particularities. Like, Eleanor is basically, like, the basic human impulse to selfishness. Like, Mm -hmm. she has that issue. Yeah. Um, And she just has the issue of, like, if it doesn't affect me, if I can kind of write it off as a victimless crime, I'm going to do it, even if it's clearly, like, wrong in most people's books. Yeah. So, like, an example would be to return a wallet but keep the money that you found inside. Um, A lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, I would totally do that. And Eleanor is like representative of those people. Chidi is like the guy who's like rule following to the point where like it, it it'll annoy people. Like, and he's he's trying really hard to be good, but but he but he, but he's
1: but he's so stuck in his own head that good is like an extremely complicated calculus. Uh, and because he's a moral philosopher, he has all these different competing notions for what the good is. Right. So even as he's trying to teach Eleanor and Jason how to be good, he has all of these sort of these questions for himself and i think he's kind of settled on this kantian notion of yeah. goodness being yeah the, well and and sort of utilitarian too like the like consequentialism i well, see
0: he's not he's definitely not a, as much of a consequentialist though like he he doesn't at least he's he's not presented as such
1: yeah, I'm
0: not saying I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying they did this perfectly, but they don't try he, to present him as a consequentialist. They try yeah. to present him as a Kantian, which is like almost the opposite of a consequentialist. Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting. Why don't we get into that then? So, what what is his what is his way of? He's
0: he's a deontologist. So the deontology is the idea that there are rules and duties of morality, and that those come first before all else, basically. Mm-hmm. And there are at least a definite like there's a definite strand of like Christian ethics that works this way Mm -hmm. usually Christian ethics tends towards either deontology which is gonna get this wrong probably but there's like divine and natural law and this sort of creates duties for people to follow and that the primary way that you you trend towards goodness is to follow those rules and enact those duties in your life and there's a lot of truth to that and there's also this but there's also the strand that is that if you practice at at virtues um, however, exactly defined, which just to be accommodating, that you know maybe some people have different sets. Like the Christian tradition would accept the uh, justice, prudence, fortitude, and temperance. What temperance? Yeah. So uh, giving others their due, uh, right action, courage or proper courage, and and moderation, and then also would have faith, hope, and love. So mm-hmm. as the theological virtues that you would you would want to practice all of these. Um, with some Christians maybe even going further and saying that the chief virtue is love, and therefore the only chief duty is to love, and everything else sort of, if you do it right, comes from that. Mm-hmm. And that is at least arguably what Jesus says in the New Testament about summing up the law and the prophets. But then there's also consequentialism, which is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of ethics, that um, hmm. that like nobody really wants to say that's what they are, even though a lot of people actually are. Chidi tends more towards deontology in mm-hmm. terms of the way that his his brain is. He's like, I just need to know the rule for the right thing to do, and therefore, yeah, I, and then I will do it.
1: And it's interesting too because like that kind of comes into this whole like stomach ache thing for him, where mm-hmm. like things being bad gives him a stomach ache. Yeah, uh, but and it does. I guess it is. It is kind of driven by this sort of like like there is some rule here. Um, yeah. That I whether or not I'm able to be able able to perceive it or whatever but then the i guess the the universe of the of the show or at least the architecture of the good place is very consequentialist although that the idea of consequentialism doesn't care about your uh, your motives
0: well, it, right yeah but they do care about, they about your motives but they do motive. care about
1: your motives so so it's not perfectly consequentialist
0: yeah like if you're if they if if your motives are corrupt then you're not supposed to actually be in the good place even if you did good things
1: so this is something that baffled me in college uh in my ethics class was just how anyone could settle on consequentialism as your like final explanation for what makes things good and bad because it, i mean it just seems so lacking i don't I, know it's like it's so like like i can i can do everything i can do I can do things with the most manipulative and horrible intentions, mm. but that, but that make do the greatest good to the greatest number, whatever, and be like morally upstanding. And somebody else can do, uh, can have perfect motives and, uh, like be, be, be like t- terribly inefficient or, uh, or unlucky or, uh, whatever. And like they're yeah they're kind of bad yeah yeah, yeah. uh go ahead sorry no
0: I'm um, fine so that's kind of that's kind of Chidi Chidi's kind of the rule the rule follower almost to a fault because he doesn't exactly know what all the rules are and that's sort of a torture for him. Mm-hmm. Tahani is the one who like does a lot of things that are very good, but in the first season you start to see all these really 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 um not so subtle hints that she really cares about the way people think about her
1: yeah and she's she's pretty self-absorbed and pretty much yeah only interested in how she's seen in being the like the queen socialite um the most the best host the most beautiful having the nicest things
0: do you want to talk about the episode with the with the rankings
1: Oh, where she finds out where she's ranked? Yeah. Sure, yeah. So so in one episode she goes in and, and looks at Michael's files and finds out that she is second to dead last in the neighborhood in terms of her her ranking, her her points, how many points she earned. And so then she tries to like do stuff for Michael in order to bump her score up so that she can be like ranked higher in the neighborhood. And that's when they find out that you can't change your score once you're dead, which is bad news for Eleanor because she's dead and shouldn't be there. But currently she has the score of real Eleanor. So somebody else got sent to the bad place in her place. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, so, so Tahani very much wants to be the best in everybody's in everybody's standing or whatever.
0: And then um, the last of the, the humans, uh, the four main humans is um, Jason. Basically, talked earlier about the virtues, the four cardinal virtues that like, right. sort of the classical philosophers agree on and the Christian theologians and philosophers sort of... Uh, I don't want to say made their own, but like sort of...
1: appropriated.
0: No, it's not right either. But incorporated... Reaffirmed. The medieval <laughs> synthesis, you know, with Aquinas yeah. and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, which I'm saying these big words like I actually have a really studied understanding of what they mean. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the idea of prudence of like doing the right thing in a situation Mm -hmm. is that virtue and the idea of temperance are things are those those two virtues have like no meaning for jason Mm -hmm. and actually basically basically it's somebody for whom like the four cardinal virtues do not stick up against this thing that sounds fun to do right now right um at all like ever
1: yeah he's not he's extremely basic yeah.
0: <laughs> and the, the difference between him and Eleanor is that, like, Eleanor is just, like, selfish enough, and she kind of knows what the right thing to do is, but then she kind of ignores it. Yeah. Jason doesn't stop to think about what the right thing to do is. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes. And that's...
1: Or even if he does, sometimes, uh, and I don't recall exactly what season I'm referring to, and whatever, but there, there are moments when he does start to think about whether something's good, but his, like, way of judging whether something's good is also just pretty dim-witted. Yes, most of the time. So
0: yeah, there's um, a wonderful theme, though I think in this in this show that comes through. Obviously, the idea of goodness as a major theme of a of an NBC television comedy. Is so weird. That's kind of a theme, sort of for The Office, and kind of a theme, sort of for Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like how people treat each other is really important on those shows. Mm-hmm. But goodness itself has never really been the theme of a major television show, as far as I've seen.
1: I'm thinking about this in comparison. It's just occurring to me right now in comparison to maybe the polar opposite to this show, which is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia,
0: Oh, which I
1: absolutely hate as a show. I, I, I used to like it, and I watched a lot of it, but at a certain point, I realized, like, no, I hate every one of these characters. They're awful, and they're unrelatable, and this is so stupid. So, sorry if that's not your opinion of It's Always Sunny. I can't stand the show. But that's like a show where badness is just sort of the uh um, the cause the whole yeah the, the it's the whole thing. We'll talk a little bit more about moralism in a few minutes probably but <laughs> I, I don't take a particularly like uh moralistic stand on on TV shows or something. That's not like I think like all shows should be about good people or some stupid thing like that. Yeah. Um I I mean I think for example Breaking Bad is an excellent show. Yeah. That where it really kind of Portrays and questions and uh draws out um like yeah human evil and what what causes someone to become awful
0: well even even like arrested development has a moral center it's just yeah. that you see the moral center by the via neg- by the by the via negativa <laughs> they, <laughs> they show you they show you what morality is by showing you what happens when people get further away
1: from it yeah 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 anyhow this is, it is i think it is definitely um bizarre to find a TV show that has as its core this question about what is goodness.
0: Yeah, what is goodness? How do I be good? How do I become a good person? Yeah. It's got a, this this surprisingly like integrated picture that sort of takes a lot of the key like kind of common sense insights you would have about morality. So like there's little things that like Eleanor and Cheedy do for each other mm-hmm. that don't seem very significant in the moment, Mm -hmm. but like they make it very clear that this is a matter of morality, not just a matter of like this nice thing I did for somebody. And there's a, so there's a sense. And I think this is a real, like for me, at least as a, as a Catholic, this is very like resonant Mm -hmm. that morality is almost always a relational thing. Like everything about morality is in some way a relationship or it has to do with a relationship Mm -hmm. and it can't be divorced from that. Like, even me just trying to be good, even if there were no other humans left in the world, like, there's still a relationship that I have to the divine that is that is part mm-hmm. of that morality. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: a relationship with nature and with
0: yeah, with reality. Exactly. But it's even, like, I would even go further and say, like, it's persons because, mm-hmm. you know, I believe God is, well, three yeah. persons. But, you know. But, like, this, the idea that, like like, I brought some tea this morning. And that's not like a huge, like good charity work
1: that I did. You were just trying to get, you were trying to get into the good place. I understand.
0: But like, it's part of, it's part of my relationship to Patrick and me bringing him tea is like a way of like demonstrating my affection for him. And then there's also a notion, I think, especially for Eleanor, that morality is sort of tied to authenticity, Mm -hmm. like the, the worse she lives the less likely she is to open up to people. But the more she lives morally, the more she wants to live sort of authentically and without like having a bunch of extra masks around. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't say there's like never a time to be a little bit guarded about who you are so much as that it's not necessarily meant to be the ideal. It sort of presents a picture of, of characteristics of morality that like, even if you might not agree with every statement the show makes about morality, there's a lot of like the defining sort of characteristics of it that are very good to think about mm-hmm. that. Like it really is about being a better person. And it's, it's not you versus like the rules or you versus your duty. It's you and your duty versus not doing your duty. Hmm. Interesting. In deontologist terms, I guess, but yeah. you could also kind of appropriate that for yeah other things.
1: Yeah. So I think we should probably now talk about the realization that they have at the end of the, uh, yeah. of the, the season where, uh, So if you have not seen the end of season one one. yet, please stop the podcast. We'll play some little clips here of Eleanor being censored while swearing.
0: So to kind of recap where we're at this point of the season, uh, Eleanor around the middle of the season, uh, or in the very long discovers she's not the only person who's there mistakenly. And then in the middle of the season, she confesses that I'm the reason this neighborhood is so screwed up. I'm not supposed to be here.
1: Right, because actually this is the thing, something we didn't say, is that all of her negative behavior or bad behavior or whatever is causing all of these disasters in the neighborhood, like a sinkhole that opens up and and a trash storm and all of this other stuff.
0: There And there's like this threat that, that Michael, who we haven't really talked much about, um, but that's okay, we'll, we'll get into that probably, mm-hmm. um, is going to be sent away to be retired, which is not as good as it sounds Mm -hmm. it's uh it's not pleasant if you're an architect or an angel or whatever he's supposed to be to be retired and we'll just we'll just not describe that exactly but if you've heard this but if you've but if you've seen it you know that it's not pleasant so she confesses and then there's a whole lot of more rigmarole eventually they find real eleanor who's the lady who's supposed to have been sent to the bad place in her stead and then After, you know, drama upon drama and sort of psychological upon psychological torture. Right,
1: including trips to the medium place, which is pretty medium.
0: Yeah, pretty medium. The lady who lives there is, you can see why she went to the medium place.
1: I feel like, yeah, anyway, go ahead. She
0: did a lot of good, but in a really weird way.
1: Accidentally.
0: Ah, (laughs) Kind of accidentally on purpose. Uh, Anyway, she finally realizes, oh, oh, they're torturing us. This is way too much torture to be the good place they're never going to take us to the bad
1: place because we're already there. So, the reason I wanted to get to this revelation is because within the first minute or two of the show, I was like, "Oh god, this is the bad place." Like as not not to say like it is for them, but like that would be my hell to be in this place full of do-gooders and, where you can't swear <laughs> and where <laughs> and where the the like the food celeb is frozen yogurt everybody just loved frozen yogurt sorry go on go ahead yeah no no so so then as as we get into the morality of the good place again i was just like oh this is so awful this is so, like, this is, this is, again, my hell, because it's so moralistic, and it's so le- and legalistic, and the, I, the, whole, the whole notion of a, of a points-based morality system is, like, everything that makes me want to scream about American Christianity, and I, think, and I think it's Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox, I think it shows up all the time, not that we actually say points-based, but that, that that's how we tend to think about morality as Americans. Yeah, it, which does have its roots in Protestantism, but it has definitely permeate, permeated into Catholicism.
0: Yeah, we have a, a problems sometimes with forgetting about the grace. Right, right,
1: and and I think so. Uh, I'll use the example of the the way that uh, that Catholics talk about preparing to go to confession is very much this sort of like what were the things, what what are the sort of like the 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 things that got me negative points in heaven that I have to like, or like, or another, another example is, is the way Catholics talk about purgatory as sort of like, Oh, I stored up all this bad time that I have to like work off. oh Uh, yeah. So it's a, a highly moralistic notion that has nothing to do with how the church understands purgatory.
0: It might not. Although it is kind of fun to joke about the amount of time we're going to spend in purgatory. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should confess that. (laughs) (laughs) That I find that amusing. Uh,
1: so... Not to get into like a whole big thing about like how Catholics ought to understand purgatory, but I would say I don't think the idea of racking up time up there it's sort of it's sort of like I mean there's there's seriously this notion that I've heard people almost explicitly enunciate that says basically I can do these bad things, it's just gonna give me more time in purgatory.
0: Like oh yeah, no, that's a terrible attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but that's something you hear, I, and I I don't think I'm alone in having heard people talk about it that way. Anyway, so so the, the the immediate like impression of the good place or the putative good good place as soon as as soon as we get there for me was like, oh fork. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and it's interesting because like you see a different movement like motivation is very important in the good place universe. If there's any corruption in motivation, it doesn't count as mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. which is so bizarre because if you look at what what the teaching of our church is. It's that the kind of by grace, even a sort of semi corrupt motivation for doing good mm-hmm. can still bring about a little bit of merit, like mm-hmm. maybe not as much as if you like really did it for love of God. But like, yeah, you sort of make that trip from like, I don't want to go to the bad place to I actually want to be good.
1: Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a world without grace. And it's totally meritocratic.
0: Yeah, at least supposedly. Which is bizarre because, like, even the greatest saints—the ones who like thought of as having all this merit—are the ones who don't see it that way. Yeah, like they yeah. never basically have. Yeah,
1: At a point that one of my housemates made within like the beginning of the first episode. Initially, when we started watching the show, I was immediately sucked in because of this whole moralistic thing, and I thought like, "Oh, this is so interesting. I wonder how they're going to do this." And uh, and my housemate was like, "Oh, this show looks so stupid." Well, he didn't say it looks so stupid. He like he just was like, "Oh, this is frustrating," and then. Within a couple episodes, he kept coming downstairs and watching with us, and then he started to really like it too. So he's now seen a good chunk of the first two seasons, and and really enjoys it. But but his one of his first comments on seeing the first few episodes was, "Where are the poor?" Oh, and and I and it blew me away because I hadn't it hadn't occurred to me that something like it occurred to me like wow this place is full of these do-gooders. But one of the things that's missing in the good place. Or the putative good place are the poor.
0: I I will say, in fairness, at least at least uh, appreciatively there is a um, a Buddhist monk in there, not sure. exactly like a rich person. That's that's an ex- actually an excellent point. I think in a certain in a certain way, because the amount of good that you can do might
1: be limited. It's just like, like the people in, the, in the people that terms. you meet, the people that you meet, and the way they describe their lives. Yeah, you have. You have the you know the people who did all of these Peace Corps missions and the people that did you know that the, the, the every, everybody saved the world somehow everybody rescued yeah. hungry children in Uganda or blah 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 right, but nobody because because they're putting out the most good quote unquote right into the world right and I think it like it shines a light on the idea of meritocracy to me because it's like we we have this idea like. Anybody can earn merit, blah, 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 and then, like, succeed. But where you started makes a huge difference in what you can, quote-unquote, like, yeah. how much good you can put out in the world.
0: Well, even Mindy St. Clair, who's in the medium place, like, would definitely be in the bad place if she hadn't had the resources to follow through with her crazy good per- good person plan. Right. Like, she she has this, like, thing where she says, basically, I, I did a lot of drugs one night, and I came up with this plan to change the world, and then the next day I actually put it into action, and then I got hit by a bus, or whatever it was mm-hmm. exactly that happened mm-hmm. to her. And the point is, like, she went to the mm-hmm. medium place where it was designed to be not 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 good – but not bad either. Yeah. but it was it was tailored so that she would be just having a mediocre existence for eternity. Yeah. because she had just the resources to to do that. But if she hadn't had the resources, she probably would be in the bad place. That's kind of seen a little later on when we get to learn more about like when we learn more about like Eleanor's well we kind of already learned more about Eleanor's home life. We learned that like she was not given a lot of richness of relationship right by her parents. As a matter of fact, she was kind of given the opposite. Right. And That's sort of what made her want to get closed off to people and be more selfish.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of, I think the, the interesting thing is that the show doesn't excuse like not not in terms of like the philosophy of the good place or yeah. whatever, but in terms of how like how things are lived out and how kind of how things transpire and what what it evokes in the viewer. It doesn't excuse the bad behavior of bad people like Eleanor. Yeah, um, but it also doesn't. Uh, pretend as if everything she did was sort of like just a totally sort of free will decision without outside influence or like, you know, that she, that she just sort of ended up bad on her own.
0: They set up a dichotomy early on about like, um, they say like one philosopher says virtue is sort of inherent and you never change from vicious to virtuous. And mm-hmm. the other one says that virtue can be learned. Mm-hmm. And if this show is taking a side, it's definitely taking the side of virtue can be learned. And so, yeah, go it, it's just in a different, like, because there's no grace, there's not really this 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 like natural like there's not really a notion of a natural movement from being virtuous because you're moralistically following a set of rules or because you want to earn good place points to wanting to actually be a good person. Mm-hmm. And there's not really there's there's actually I think I and I think the show shows the evolution happening, but the system that the universe has in this show does not care about that movement mm-hmm, okay. as much yeah as yeah. long as you have this motivation checkbox you're good to go but if you're missing that or you're missing the resources to actually be good yeah it <laughs> might yeah. be
1: what i want to bring in now is what the show made me think about in terms of the how the show reflects how americans think about the afterlife i think because there's, there's this notion oh yeah from uh gosh so his name is christian smith he has this this notion of uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. Oh yeah. As basically what he says is America's default religion, and I'm gonna do probably a mediocre job of enunciating what he what he describes as moralistic therapeutic deism. But you can read up on it. Uh, he wrote a book, and you can just whatever. His thesis about about this is based on thousands of hours of interviews with people of like varying ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, race, gender, orientation, whatever, in order to sort of see what do Americans say they believe and what do Americans actually believe about religion or about about faith and where he lands is that Americans are moralistic. They, so we believe that, that the divine, or whatever it is, wants us to be good. Uh, we have a therapeutic notion of God, that, that God wants us to be happy, and that things are basically sort of designed to, to like, if we're good, we'll be happy type of things uh, thing, and then we're deists. So we don't believe in any sort of a personal God. We believe in a fire-and-forget God, or a God that loves us but doesn't interact directly in reality.
0: And if you're a Christian, you might sort of generically tack on, but except for that one time that he came down from heaven and then died for me.
1: Yeah. And, and you, know, you see, we might not say we believe it this yeah. way. Like I think, you know, most Christians believe in some sort of miracles. We believe, t- tend to believe in all these other things, but, but then in terms of like the actual action of God in the world is sort of this, is more of a deistic view anyway. So I, I find this idea of moralistic therapeutic deism pretty compelling I see it all the time interacting with my students oh. that they come some of them anyway you know come from deeply devout I would say Christian families, but that the kids oftentimes end up with a an outlook in terms of how they approach life, not necessarily if you ask them about faith but in terms of how they approach life that kind of boils down to this and I think when you watch the Good place, if you have this idea of moralistic therapeutic deism you'll you'll see it all over the place in the show. And in that, like the show sort of reflects the fact that we, that that, that's the, the, the God we believe in, so to speak. So, so the, the, the architecture of the the good place and is, is moralistic. The whole universe has this sort of vaguely deist conception of the, of whatever the higher power is, that it's not some sort of a person. It's much more of a, like a a will or a whatever I don't know, and the whole like the whole idea of putting good out in the world and all of that is has this very th- sort of yeah therapeutic yeah. aspect. The thing that like the most the the most hilarious moralistic thing about the good place is the the censorship.
0: Oh, yes. The, the majority of the neighborhood does not like swearing, so they're not allowed to swear. So whenever they try to swear, it comes out like this.
1: She is secretly a two-faced, calculating, phony bitch. <gasps> fork off! Okay. Get the fork out of my neighborhood. But I say we leave this miserable shirt hole. You know I'm trying to say ash hole and not ash hole, right? I got that, yes. What? I have to say, by the way, that... Uh, that the show has become a hit in my family and now instead of swearing, people are saying, saying all these things. But the thing is that nobody in my family has any particular problem with swearing. We just think it's funnier to, to say like son of a bench now.
0: It is, it is funnier.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So the, the thought that I had about the, like the moralistic thing is it, it, I think it can act as a mirror back to us, about, like, oh, is that how I think about, like, ultimate reality, blah, 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 the divine, whatever. When problems come up in the the way that this sort of plays out in the show, and I think it can also kind of interrogate our sort of way of looking at life. And I think, in a sense, maybe Michael Scher is attempting to do that, even though I don't think that he is necessarily attempting to question this sort of moralistic therapeutic deistic view like so he's trying to do a show thing
0: about morality in general yeah
1: yeah and yeah morality and moral philosophy and stuff but there's something you know because because that's that's the air we breathe and the world we live in it just sort of shows up even if you were to to do another a totally different sort of way of looking at you know having the the philosophy of the good place or whatever i think i think we would still start we would still see that just because that's what we yeah, you know, kind of what we are, what we do. And so I think, I just think it's fascinating to see how that kind of plays out. Yeah. Another thought. Uh, so I said that my family likes this show. This show is a huge hit, both with my Catholic family on, on my mom's side and with my atheist family on my dad's side. And they're all pretty much watching it.
0: And it actually makes me very happy to hear you say that. Cause, um, I, I mentioned this to you. Shout out to Doug. Who's my, um, my friend. Foresight? Who, What? No. <laughs> Doug, who I uh, exchange emails with sometimes about what we're what we're eating for breakfast and lunch, mm-hmm. um, because um, he and his wife have also become really big fans of the Good Place, and it makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. And Doug's um, an atheist. Uh, yes, Doug is Doug is not religious, and he and I and he and I can talk about the Good Place. We actually also had a surprisingly in depth discussion about the Witch, but that's not really for this episode.
1: Um. All right. Is that? Do you? Have, did you have anything else you wanted to say on this episode?
0: No, but I do th- I do want to tell a joke that I think I think needs to be told in this show. Okay. What did the farmer say when he broke his tractor?
1: I don't know, Dan. What did the farmer say?
0: I broke my tractor.
1: <laughs> uh, my cousin Patrick told us that joke a couple days ago. It was it was not an all-around hit, but I think it's hilarious.
0: It was the yeah the the sister of Teresa who gave me this tea the brother, the brother
1: Teresa is the sister of the <laughs> Teresa is the sister yeah yes.
0: Yes. yes and the tea came from her yes
1: thank you for listening to this episode on the Good Place and once you've uh, watched all of season two tune back in for our forthcoming episode on that and I'm sure we'll have one on season three in about 19 years when we get around to it yes all right from all of us here at Pop Culture Pelican. Have a great day.
0: Yes. Oh, also, um, don't forget to like us on all the things like Facebook, Twitter, Twitter Instagram, and Tumblr, Instagram. Tum- well, or not Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr, I think, basically just stopped caring that we had a thing. Um, okay. And that's fine. And also, again, if you um, love us, hate us, if you want to tell me why everything I said about philosophy and this episode was wrong, then you can email us at popculturebelegant at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, we just sounded like Tahani, like, love us, love us, love us. No, no, no. It'll earn you good place points. Yeah. Yeah, this will probably earn you bad place points.
0: All right. Oh, and if you have suggestions of other um, TV shows that we can watch, that we can watch to talk about on um, on the podcast, we'll, uh, we'll consider those.
1: Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care.